0: everybody doing okay today? Great. Well, thank y'all for clapping. Good morning. (laughs) Thank y'all for being here this morning. It's always an honor for me to get the opportunity to share the word of God with you guys. So I never take it lightly and it's just a blessing to be able to share. So I'm just going to hop right in. So let's pray. Father God, we worship you today. Lord, I thank you so much that your presence is in this place. What an honor, Lord, to stand before you and to receive from your great love. I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would speak, that you would minister life and encouragement to your people. Lord, we have need of you today. So we come to you and we say, fill us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning I'm wrapping up our series on people of the fine print, and, of course, as I was, you know, trying to think, who am I going to do? I really wanted to do a, a girl, you know, a woman, obviously, because yeah. I'm a girl. But I'm actually not going to speak about a woman today. Um, that's just not really where the Lord led me, but that's okay. So maybe next time. So today I'm actually going to focus on one person, but before I focus on one person, I'm really going to focus on a group of people of the fine print. Is that Okay. All right, so if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 6, we're going to read in verses 1 through 7. And it says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, And of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So as I said, I am going to give focus to Stephen at some point in this message, but what I really want to begin with is observing this group of seven men of which he was a part, okay? So this story to me is really interesting because the apostles really find themselves in a very peculiar situation, okay? Jesus, obviously at this point, has already ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. And these apostles find themselves to be the first church planters in history, okay? Now, none of them have ever pastored a church. They've not gone to seminary to get their divinity degree. They've not, you know, gone to get a master's degree in counseling and church leadership. And so, really, they find themselves, you know, surrounded by this new family and just honestly trying to figure it out. Thank God they have the Holy Spirit, okay? But none of them have been in this situation before. The Holy Spirit is drawing men and women to Christ in a rapid manner. So they're busy doing the work of the ministry while the Holy Spirit is doing his job of drawing people into salvation. And the church is just booming. It's growing like crazy And you have to remember that at this time, all of these Jews that have come to salvation really find themselves in a new, literally a new family. You have to remember that when they are giving their lives to Christ, they choose to trust in this Messiah, this Savior that they've been waiting for. They're also choosing to be ostracized from Jewish society, they're choosing to be rejected by their Jewish families, and so they've come into this church that is literally now a new family. We read earlier in, um, in Acts where this new family, you know, they share everything together, they have everything in common, and we kind of try to super-spiritualize that and be like, oh, that's amazing, they shared everything. And the truth is, they really had no other alternative, because when you gave your life to Christ and you're rejected by your family and kicked out of your home, what are you going to do? You've got to find a new place to live, a new family to do life with. And this is the situation that these apostles find themselves in. They have literally become parents to a new family. And as you know, all family, there's going to be some issues that happen, some tension and some issues that occur. And this is where they find themselves in this passage of Scripture. They've got these two groups of people, because not only is this a new family, but it's a blended family. They have Hebraic Jews, Jews that are very faithful to their Hebraic culture, very faithful to the Word of God. And then they have Hellenistic Jews. Now, the Hellenistic Jews are Jews that assimilated into greek culture so they speak the greek language they've adopted some of the greek culture so that's why there's that differentiation between the hebraic jews and the hellenistic jews so the apostles find themselves ministering and really parenting a family that is a blended family the hellenistic jews are kind of like me so i'm latina i was born and raised in this country but my parents you know, are immigrated here, so I've adopted a lot of American culture. Obviously, I speak English, but I hold on to my Latina heritage, to my cultural distinctions as a Latin American woman. And so if you've ever been in a situation where you have a blended family, how many of you know that there's going to be some situations that are going to take place that are not common to a regular family, Right. If you've ever walked the road of, say, a second marriage and you're blending two families, it's not always easy. And so here the Hellenistic Jews are complaining, and they're like, man, these Hebraic Jews, their widows are being taken care of. What about our widows? What about our needs? What about our stuff? And the apostles are like, we're just trying to preach Jesus, y'all. Like, do, do we really need to need to deal with this and the fact is yes they really do need to deal with it because they're a family and these people have all been ostracized from everything that they've ever known and so they've got to figure out a way to take care of this family so here they realize if we're going to take care of this family with all of its differences we're going to have to expand our leadership right so the Hellenistic Jews have brought their complaint and the apostles decide we're going to have to find some fine print people to expand our leadership and to take care of these needs. So if you notice in verse 3, the apostles realize this is an, this is an important role that we're giving to people And it's got to have some prerequisites attached to it. We're not just choosing anybody. We're going to choose people with some prerequisites. And what were they? They were to be men full of the spirit and wisdom. And if you skip down a little bit to read about Stephen, it says that he was a man full of faith. And so today, this is where I want to focus I want to focus on the fact that fine print people are full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, and full of faith. In our society today, people want influence. They want to have a voice. They want to be noticed. They want people to adhere to their thoughts, to their point of view. And even amongst us, we all, well not all, but a lot of people would desire to have some kind of influence in the life of others. And if you want to be a person of influence, you're going to need the spirit, wisdom, and faith. Those are going to be the prerequisites for you to have influence. Now, even if you don't want influence, maybe you're kind of a shy person and you don't feel like you even have influence. The truth is you do. You are influencing people all around you by the way you live your life, by the way that you communicate with other people. You influence people all around you. Therefore, you also need to be full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, and full of faith. Now, sometimes when we hear that word full, we kind of feel like, oh, that means I have to be perfect In these areas, I have to be perfectly full of the Spirit. I have to have perfect wisdom. I have to have perfect faith, but I'm not a perfect person. But that is not what I'm talking about today. Fine print people recognize their need of the Spirit, their need of wisdom, and their need of faith. Therefore, they position themselves to seek the Holy Spirit. They position themselves to pursue wisdom. And they position themselves to have a maturing faith. And that happens through consistent time in the presence of God and through consistent obedience to his will. So am I perfectly full of the Spirit? Am I perfect in wisdom at all times? Am I perfect in my faith? No, But as a fine print person, I want to daily position myself to say, Holy Spirit, fill me. I need wisdom. Grow my faith. Now, Paul tells believers in Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the Spirit. Now, if you read the context of this verse of Scripture, he's actually telling them to reject dependence on the flesh and to not indulge the flesh now what is the flesh the flesh is self it's your own intellect your own ability your own strength your own power your own knowledge it is self and so in Ephesians 518 Paul is saying reject dependence on self and instead be filled with the spirit So he's imploring these believers, saying, stay in a place of dependence on the Holy Spirit. Stay in a place where you reject dependence on your own thinking, on your own intellect, on your own wisdom, and here's why. It will fail you every time. But if you'll stay in a place of dependence on the Holy Spirit and being continually filled with the Spirit, He will allow you success every time. Amen? So to be full of the Spirit means to be dependent on the Spirit, staying in that place of dependency. And I find it so interesting that the apostles decide if we're going to put people in a role of influence they need to be people in that place of constant dependency on the Holy Spirit. If they're going to exercise leadership and influence in the body of Christ, they need to be constantly dependent on the Holy Spirit. It's a prerequisite for influence for, fine, for people of the fine print. Fine print people realize, I have a lack And fine print people recognize, I have lack, but he has no lack. Amen? Fine print people recognize their own lack and his lack of lack. So they stay in that place of dependency. They understand that though it's contrary to their human nature to be dependent, though it's contrary to the way of society to be a dependent person, because our society relishes, right, that sense of independence, as believers, I understand that when I'm serving a God that lacks nothing, then it's completely foolish for me to try to depend on my own self. Amen? If I am a person who understands I serve a God who lacks nothing, all wisdom, all power, all authority is given unto God. And if that's the God that I serve, then why would I choose to depend on my own wisdom, on my own strength, on my own ability? Amen? And it serves us well to remember that that's the God who we serve and that's also the God who James 4 6 says will give grace if I humble myself and say, God, I have lack. But he will oppose me if I'm too proud and I say, God, yes, you might be Almighty, but you're not too strong for you're not strong enough for me in this situation. How foolish is that, right? That's why he opposes the proud. Because the proud would dare to look at almighty God and say, yeah, you might be almighty, but you don't have strength enough for me. It's a foolish and prideful person who would look at an omniscient God and say, yes, you might be all wise. You might be all knowing, but for me, you're not wise enough. You don't know enough. I got this, God. But if you're a kind of person who would dare to come to him in your lack and come to him and say, God, I depend on you, then what does he promise? He promises grace. And in that grace, there is power and there is strength to do the impossible with God. Amen? Amen. So, the apostles choose men full of dependency on the Spirit of God to exercise a function in the body of Christ. And they choose men full of wisdom and faith to influence this new family, to influence this new body of Christ. Fine print people have influence in the church. And if you're going to exercise a function in the church You will need dependence on the Holy Spirit, just like these people did. You will need wisdom. You will need faith. Notice that these group of seven men were charged with what seemed like a really simple task, right? They were going to be distributing food. Like, why do you need spirit power to distribute some food? Why do you need wisdom from God to distribute some food? Why do you need faith to distribute some food? Well, did you know that people are never pleased? Did you know that? So yeah, it sounds like a simple task, but I guarantee you the first person Stephen went to distribute some food, they got, they got an issue. Wait a minute, she got one more apple than I do. What? What? Wait a minute, they got one more piece of something than I did. And so you need some Holy Spirit power probably to hold you back from, you know, I mean, I would, and you need some Holy Spirit wisdom to not be like, let me not throw this apple at your head today. You need some faith to continue to love some difficult people. You need some wisdom to know how to deal with people's wrong thinking, maybe with people's right thinking. But you're going to need wisdom even if all you're doing is distributing food because we as people come with some baggage. And it takes the Spirit of God to know how to love people and to know how to meet their needs. It takes the wisdom of God to know how to love someone in a very difficult situation. It takes the faith of God to trust God when you know in your own power you cannot meet a need and he's got to do it for you. So it's not surprising that the apostles had the ability to say, it might seem like a simple task, but it's going to need fine print people to do it, people full of the Spirit full of wisdom, full of faith. So all the apostles realized in a family where there are people from all kinds of backgrounds coming together, it takes wisdom to know how to minister to every individual, to discern the best way to meet their needs. And it takes faith to trust God to meet those needs. It takes the power of God to effectively love and minister to people. And when I think about this story, I think about our church. How here at DP, God is just forming such a beautifully complex family in here. I look out and I see people of different colors and races and cultures, people from different religious upbringings, and we've got to determine, me and you, if this is your family, this is where God has planted you and sent you, you've got to determine, like I do, in our hearts that we're going to be fine print people. We've got to realize that as God is growing this family, we're going to need to depend on the Holy Spirit to teach us how to love one another. Because it's not always going to be easy. We're going to need the wisdom of God to know how to take care of one another. We're going to need faith. Faith that is long-suffering and loving and forgiving. Because we're all in the process of growing. We're all in different places. And so wisdom is needed to grow this family. Just like it was needed to grow That family. And I pray that you would join me in saying, God, thank you for this family here at DP, with all its complexities, with all its uniquenesses, and help me to be a fine print person in this place. We depend on the Holy Spirit. How? By acknowledging our need of Him. I don't know how to love everybody in this place. I don't know how to deal with the differences of every person in this place. And so God, I acknowledge my need of you. And I say, Lord, empower me as I renew my mind with the word of God. Allow the mind of Christ to form my thoughts. Let's allow the mind of Christ to form your thoughts toward one another, amen? Because in your own thinking, It's not going to happen. So allow the mind of Christ to form your thoughts toward one another. And allow God to fill your heart with his love for one another. His perfect love that doesn't judge, that doesn't, you know, hold the past in your face or in the face of anyone in here. Be filled with the spirit of God. So that in this place, we can abide together and minister to one another in a spirit of unity and love. Amen. Is that not what Jesus desires for our family? So, then once the apostles are able to set these men in place to do this important role of distributing food, then they are able to continue giving their attention to the preaching of the gospel. And in verse 7 we read, So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased. Fine print people understand and accept the role that God has given them. And by doing so, the word spreads, and the kingdom advances. This is so important. In the kingdom of God, there aren't better works or roles than others. Each work serves the same goal, that the word of God would spread. And yet there's times that we may feel like our work is less than the work of others. When you're changing diapers in the nursery, you feel that. Which, by the way, we need more nursery workers, so see me this afternoon. So sometimes we may feel that our work is less than the work of another person in the body of Christ. And a lot of times that's due to the simple fact that some works have more notoriety than other works. They're more visible. They seem like, oh, I like that work. People see that work and they praise that work. And that's the work I want to do. No one's praising me for changing some diapers. Okay? And so when one work seems to be more notable than another work, then it seems like your work is less valuable and less important. And it leaves you even feeling less than another person in the body. But the truth is, that there are works that are harder than other works and sometimes those notable works are the ones that require an extra amount of sacrifice. There are works that require an extra amount of faith but every biblical work, according to Ephesians 2.10, is a good work. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to prepare some bad work for you to do, some like, you know, annoying work for you to do. He didn't say, I'm going to prepare some, you know, gross work for you to do. He said, I prepare good work for you to do. And so the quicker that we are to seek to know the good work that he has prepared for us and to accept it, as good work you got to have that perspective that this is good work when I'm changing diapers in the nursery that's good work it allows me the opportunity to bless a mom so she can listen to the word of God that's a good work okay so the quicker I am to accept the good work as good work then guess what happens The, the quicker we can actually witness the power of God at work through us Amen? Sometimes we feel like we don't witness the power of God at work through us because we're diminishing the good work he's called us to do by saying it's not good enough. And he's saying, oh, it's plenty good. And the sooner you accept it as good, the sooner you'll actually see that I'm using you in great power. So those of you in this room who are serving on gifting and giving teams and are committed to the care of the needs of this community, I praise God for you. We as leadership praise God for you because in you, I see fine print people. I see your willingness to depend on the Holy Spirit especially when your labor might become tedious. I see your willingness to seek for the wisdom of God when dealing with difficult people and difficult circumstances. And I see your faith to come alongside of your pastors so that they can give focus to other necessary aspects of the work that God is doing in this church. And it's because of fine print people that the word of God is spreading outside of this building. So I say to you, you keep up the good work. Thank you for accepting it as good work and keep it up. Amen? The influence of fine print people is not just reserved for the church. The influence of fine print people is for their home. I think all of us can agree that in every home, you need leadership that has wisdom. You need structure. And without leadership and structure, the environment of a home can become chaotic instead of becoming a place of security and peace. Now, all members in a home, they have a role, right? And in this room, whether you're married, you're an empty nester, whatever, you have influence in and through your home. You have influence in that you're able to open your home to your neighbors and those around you so that they can receive a little taste of the presence of God from your home, okay? And because you have influence in your home and through your home, you need the fullness of the Spirit. You need wisdom, wisdom to make the right decisions and faith to follow God's plan for your home. A Proverbs, Proverbs 24 and 3 says that by wisdom, a home is built. Now, what is wisdom? Well, a very simple definition of wisdom is the ability to use knowledge in a right way at the right time. Okay? So, you know, you can have the knowledge of Maybe investing, but how many of you that have ever invested money know that if you use that knowledge at the wrong time, you're going to have a problem with your investment, right? And so wisdom is simply knowing, God, I have this knowledge, but I need your voice to direct me to know the right way to apply the knowledge that I have. And this is why being consistently dependent on the Holy Spirit is so important because God says you will hear a voice behind you saying this is the way, walk in it, amen? The word of God says my sheep know my voice and they follow my voice and he doesn't lead us astray. But if you're not following his voice, then guess what? You're probably gonna end up in a ditch somewhere. Okay, so it takes wisdom to build a home. It takes wisdom to create a loving home environment, and it doesn't happen on its own. And if you're a parent, you know that every child is different, right? So I have three, so obviously that means three different characters, three different natures, personalities, love languages, three different packages of needs, like just three of everything. And if I were to think that I could nurture all three children the same way, like, no. No. That's just, it's not reality. So I have my oldest, right? He's like a quality time kid. That's his love language. If you Amazing how when I got to be a mom, I didn't know that children have love languages, but they do. It's really interesting and very useful. So he's a quality time kid. So, like, the worst thing you can do to Caleb, like, to get him in trouble, like, if he's in trouble, is say, go to your room, lock the door, don't come out. I mean, like, heartbroken, he can't do it. He's, like, opening the door every five minutes, like, what are y'all doing? You know, which is funny because, like, he's always annoyed with his two little sisters, and I'm always like, go to your room, dude. You have your own room. Like, just go in there. They don't have, you don't have to see them. But he won't do it because he's a quality time kid. He doesn't like to be alone. And it takes wisdom to understand that when he's acting out, it's normally because he needs time. He needs my time. And if I'm going to be a fine print mom who uses my influence in the life of my child, I need wisdom I need God to grant me wisdom to know when I need to give my kid the time that he needs. And what a wonderful promise for all of us that when we need wisdom, James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. I love how James says that. He's like, oh, you should ask God. Maybe. Who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. So listen, if you need wisdom in your home, if you need wisdom in your work, some of you who are business owners, you need wisdom to know how to manage your staff and know how to make the right decisions so that your company can prosper. You need wisdom. You should ask God. And the beauty is that when you ask God, he doesn't find fault. This is the, grace, the graciousness of our God. That he's kind of like, I can come to him and be like, okay, I messed up, so I need more wisdom here. And he's like, I got you, girl. I knew you were gonna mess up. I ain't finding fault with you. You're all right. Let me give you some wisdom. Okay? Isn't that a beautiful thing about the kind of God that we serve? That he says, like, I already know your need before you ask it, but I love for you to ask me because it shows me that you love me and you desire me. So go ahead and ask me. I'm not gonna find fault. I know you need wisdom. Here you go. That's a good God. Now the enemy seeks to diminish our influence. He seeks to diminish the influence of parents. He, seems, he seeks to diminish influence of even godly uh, leaders in your life. And so you've got to be vigilant to guard the influence that you have in the life of your children, in the life of those that God has brought To you to minister to, you've got to guard that influence. So fine print people recognize their need for wisdom, and they are quick to ask the God who gives it. And by doing that, they actually take control of what is influencing their home, what is influencing their business, what is influencing their relationships. Amen? All right, if we go back to Acts chapter 6, I want to take a look at the impact of one particular member of this group of fine print people. In Acts 6 8, it says, Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen is like the worst for the Jewish leaders. I mean, they can't stand this guy. Here's this guy who's not only leveraging his influence to, you know, exercise the function that the apostles have set him in place to do within the body of Christ. I mean, he's doing it. He's distributing that food. He's using that wisdom, that strength of the Holy Spirit. But then he's also super influential outside of the family of God. He's out in the streets preaching the gospel, performing signs and wonders, and the Jewish leaders are like, we don't like that dude. He's got to stop all that. So they seize him. So he's a man of influence where? In his church, but he's also a man of influence in his community, okay? And if you continue reading, Stephen in chapter seven of Acts He's arrested by the Jewish leaders. They kind of bring him to trial. And Stephen's like, let me tell you a little something. And he goes through this huge overview of how the Jewish leaders have absolutely missed it. God has been trying to tell you that Jesus is the Messiah since the time of Moses. And y'all are clueless. And y'all don't get it. And they're like, we don't like you. We're going to stone you. We don't like what you got to say. And that's what they do. They pronounce judgment on Stephen, and they stone him to death. And if you remember the story, Stephen sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father as he's being stoned, and he cries out to God for mercy on those that are stoning him. It's a beautiful story. And in the story of Stephen, we see one of the most important ways that fine print people use their influence Fine print people leave a legacy of gospel influence. Stephen is mentioned in the entire Bible in only five chapters. but what an impact he leaves on the life of the church. Scholars actually think that Stephen was probably one of the set group of seventy that Jesus had sent out to minister. and so if that's true, then that means that Jesus I mean that Stephen had witnessed the life of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection. He would have been in the upper room waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and been a a recipient of that. And he's obviously a vital leader in the church. But outside of this, we don't really know anything else about him. We don't know if he was married, if he had kids, if he was a fisherman, if he was a businessman. We don't know what he did for a living. All we know is that he's a man of influence in the church, and outside of the church. And he's a man who is consumed by the call of God and is faithful to it. Now, it's interesting that Stephen's death actually takes place before the eyes of Saul. And immediately after Stephen is stoned, Saul breaks out on this campaign of executing Christians left and right. Saul later becomes Paul. And there's no doubt in my mind That in Paul's life, there was a seed of gospel influence planted in his heart because of Stephen. Okay? Now, there are many things in life that we can give our focus to. There are many things in life that we can give our influence to. Causes left and right that we can serve. And many things we can seek to put our hand to the plow too. But God is asking us to use our influence for the sake of the kingdom above all else. And so he's saying, whatever you do, use your influence for the kingdom. If you're a mom, you've got influence for the kingdom in the life of your children. If you're a businessman, you have influence for the kingdom through that business. If you're a teacher, you have influence that you can leverage in the life of your students for the sake of the kingdom. And so as believers, our priority is to leverage our influence to draw people to Jesus Christ. Now for many of us, obviously it looks different. You know, some people are going to be evangelists. Some people are going to be missionaries. But for the most, for the majority of us, we're just going to be faithful to exemplify the life of Christ and to love people into the kingdom with our witness and our preaching of the gospel with co workers, neighbors. Fine print people, all the ones that we've been talking about through this series, they're not found in the Bible because they were financial. You know, tycoons or these great political people. All the fine print people that we've been looking at have been committed to bringing people to Christ, to leveraging their influence for the sake of the kingdom. Now, people are going to remember you for many things, right? You know, people will remember you because, oh, you were funny, you had a great sense of humor. They might remember you because you had a successful business. They might remember you as being adventurous or kind or super sweet. They might remember you for being a liar and dishonest and self-consumed. Proverbs ten seven says, The name of the righteous is used in blessings, but the name of the wicked will rot. Fine print people are those whose names are a blessing. When I think about the life of a fine print person, it's a blessing. Why? Because a fine print person leaves a legacy of gospel influence. They refresh others with the love of Christ, they give themselves for the sake of the gospel. And they love people with the gospel. That's what Stephen was doing. He was, yes, kind of blasting those leaders. But at the same time, he was loving them with the gospel. And he was crying out for the mercy of God on those people who were stoning him. And he was leaving a legacy of gospel influence. Henry Ward Beecher said, We should so live and labor, In our times, that what came to us as seed may go to the next generation as blossom. And what came to us as blossom may go to them as fruit. This expresses the true spirit and the love of mankind. Now you have received the seed of Christ. Christ. I implore you to use your influence and labor so that the seed will blossom, that it will give fruit that can then be consumed by those who are in need all around you. Amen. Band, you can come up. My hope for this church is that we will be filled with fine print people. That you and me, my own family as well, will be fine print people. Now how can this be a reality in this congregation? By being full of the Spirit. By every day coming to a God who has no lack and saying, I have lack. I need your power in my life. I choose to depend on the Holy Spirit. That's how you can be a fine print person. You can be a fine print person by being filled with wisdom. By daily coming to a God and saying, I recognize my need. Thank you that you don't find fault. Now give me wisdom. I open up your word and in it I find wisdom. I choose to apply your word in my life that I might make the right choices, that I might use my influence for the sake of the kingdom. We can be fine print people by being full of faith, a faith that daily obeys, even when it's against us, our will, but we surrender and we say, God, I obey you today. And obedience leads to us experiencing the faithfulness of God in our lives. And it's by experiencing the faithfulness of God, his faithfulness to be true to his word, that our faith continually grows. And in the end, we become more effective for the work of the kingdom. And that's the heart of God. That we would be effective in our community to love people into the kingdom. To be bold in our proclamation of the gospel. Now, we live in uncertain times And people are in need today. And they're hurting. And they need fine print people. They need people who will look at them and say, there's one thing that remains certain. Jesus is still loving you. Jesus is still available to you. He's still wanting to save you. He's still wanting to give you the hope of heaven and to deliver you from the ways of the past. There's still kingdom work to be done by fine print people. By people who say, I want to be full of the spirit, full of wisdom, full of faith. I want to accept my good work and be faithful to do it. Stand with me today and let's pray. Father God, we worship you. We praise your name. We thank you, Lord, that in the midst of an uncertain world, you are the anchor that holds us to the ground. Hallelujah. We are not being swayed, we are not being moved. We are anchored in you. Praise God. And Lord, I pray that you would fill us with the Spirit of God right now. Oh, we say, Holy Spirit, we need you. Your power, your anointing, your grace, your strength, because there's still good work to be done. Lord, we need your wisdom, wisdom to lead our homes. Wisdom to lead our marriages, wisdom to lead our finances, wisdom to lead in our jobs. God, we need you. God, we ask of you. We position ourselves before you and we receive from you today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we say build our faith, God, as we obey you, as we say no to the flesh, no to our own will no to our own thinking, no to our own ability. We choose your strength, your ability, your knowledge, your power. We choose you. And thank you, Lord, that you fill us with a faith that is unshakable, that is immovable, that is bold in its proclamation of the gospel to those around us, Lord. God, make us fine print people that we will leave a legacy of gospel influence to our children, to those all around us. In Jesus' name, we worship you today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.